and a very charming handsome man who is uh makes a good ghoul uh, if you want to kind of look at ginger men speaking shakespearean which is my it's my jam Welcome to The Fluent Show, a podcast all about loving, living and learning languages. Hello Fluent fam, hello language lovers. My name is Kirsten Cable and I am here to talk to you about anything and everything interesting from the world of learning another language. It's wonderful to be talking to you and if I sound ever so slightly different or if you just hear a new tone in my voice... Let me tell you that I am currently sitting in the cupboard of my new house with a scarf over my head in a blanket fort recording this episode for you. I'm so excited to say that we finally moved house. We know how long this was coming. And more importantly, that is also why you're hearing a slightly different intro for a Lindsay episode. I'm speaking to you directly because so much is happening so quickly that in the 10 days since Lindsay and I recorded the episode that you're about to hear, it's almost as if the world has completely gone upside down. That is living in the times of coronavirus, I suppose. And my husband said this morning, I think a corona... A corona day is, is six days in normal time because so much happens and so much goes through our minds. So as always, in today's episode, I want you to be encouraged to approach this with compassion, to come to it, not with pressure that you have to self-optimize and somehow become the perfect language learner. All of a sudden, remember to take it easy and just do what feels right to you. You may want to really power down with your language learning and think about how you perform and how you can get better at it, because that is a great focus to have in these times where so many different things stress you out. Or you may just not feel up to it and just have no energy. And both of those options are absolutely fine. In today's episode, Lindsay and I will be continuing our previous conversation that you heard in episode 174. In that episode, we talked about our favorite textbooks and favorite phrase books. So the different kinds of tool books, almost the guided resources that you can use to learn another language. And we hinted at the time that there would be a second book episode so perhaps you know if you're sat at home and your stack of books is beginning to wear thin this is the episode for you it is called our favorite books or the best books about languages and linguistics that is what we'll be covering we'll also talk about the difference between languages and linguistics and how it all works and i think the list is awesome in the show notes at fluent.show slash 178 you're going to find links to every single one of these and generally where there is an Amazon link, that will go to Amazon.com. So that's for all of my American listeners, all of my Amazon.com users. Where there is a British link, I have preferred to use Hive, which is an independent bookshop supporter. So hopefully those will all become super, super handy. Before we dive into the conversation, I've got two quick announcements. The first one is just to remind you that the Easter podcast break is now upon us. So on the 13th, 20th and 27th of April, there won't be a podcast here in the feed. I will, however, continue to record the little mini episodes of Fluent in Isolation, as it happened. If you want to follow those, they're all going to be released for patrons first, but for everybody as well, for free at patreon.com slash fluentshow. And that is also where you can perhaps tip the show or keep supporting us etc so that i guess i can afford more blankets for this blanket fort and microphones and all the kind of stuff that you need if you want to make a cool podcast the second big announcement and thank you as always goes to our sponsor our sponsor for this episode is yabla watch listen and learn at yabla.com slash fluent show if you've never heard of Yabla before, it is a resource where you can find authentic, natural videos and they you just watch them and the subtitles of all these videos, so they're in your target language and they've been treated with the subtitles that actually reflect what the people are saying, which is not always what you can find with online video in other places. 
The subtitles are translated. For me, as somebody who's been using Chinese as my target language for a while, it's been really cool to also have them in pinyin and in the Chinese characters. So super, super handy. Yabla is easy to use. You just pick a video and then you start and you just watch it. You can click on any word that you don't understand in the subtitles and it's going to save it. And then later you can do reviews and you can even play really cool, really quite fun games. There's a dictation game where you write down what people are saying. They've got so much in their archive. You could, I think you could watch what Yabla for like a month and you wouldn't get tired of it at all. If that was your only foreign language resource, I mean, I challenge you. Try it out. There is so much there. TV episodes, YouTube videos, like guitar tutorials. It's an incredible resource and something that I particularly like. And if you've used it and you haven't tried it, I recommend you try it out is the loop function. The loop function is for any part of dialogue that you haven't quite understood. You want somebody to repeat it again and slower. Just imagine a conversation in your target language and you just really want somebody to say this again, but say it slower. You can do that by clicking the loop button and then you can switch it to slow and you can have a video repeat the same phrase as many times as you need it. Personally, with Chinese, which to me still sounds like blah, 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 swallow everything. It's been so, so helpful to really get into the melody of these sentences. So that is Yabla. They've got a free trial on offer for you. You get that by going to yabla.com slash Fluent Show. Thank you so much to Yabla for sponsoring The Fluent Show. Listeners, let's now go into the interview with Lindsay, where we talk about our favorite books about languages. Remember, fluent.show slash 178 is where you'll find the full show notes. I can't wait for you to hear this. It's a really fun discussion. And let me know later on on Twitter at The Fluent Show or by email hello at fluentlanguage.co.uk which of these books maybe you've already read, which one you've in, you're interested in or what we've forgotten. On to the discussion with Lindsay. Lindsay, welcome to The Fluent Show. Hello. Come step hello. inside the virtual office. Yeah, I'm not going to step inside. I'm going to stay outside, social distancing. Social distancing. <laughs> All right. <Funny. laughs> well, Thanks for the offer. I've invited, I've invited you today. <laughs> to, virtually. Yeah, virtually. Everybody, we are not in the same room, just to like break your illusions there. <laughs> I've invited you today to discuss a continuation in many ways, of our recent podcast that we did together. So last time we talked about our favorite language learning textbooks and we had this whole extra list that we wanted to talk about but felt like it deserved its own episode. So that's what we're going to do today. We'll talk about our favorite languages and linguistics books. Mm, I'm excited. Do you like to read about languages or do you just uh, dive straight in? I do. Um, I would say maybe probably more so since I got like more interested in language learning beyond sort of school stuff. Um, but yeah, I do. I do enjoy reading about language. And actually one of these books on the list I'll talk about was like the first language book that I ever got that was about language. And it really sparked a lot of curiosity for me. Mm. Maybe it's good, a good idea to start off this conversation by just highlighting the difference perhaps between language and linguistics or language learning and kind of linguistic thinking, really, mm. which mm. is just that language learning and when you are learning a language, it's very practical and it is really about acquiring a skill. Whereas linguistics, to me, that's not necessarily about the skill. It's not about how well you use language. You could be a linguist with, with bad spelling or whatever, but it's about that, like you said, a curiosity about language itself, about how it works and about the whole system. And it's very important always to mention that a linguist can totally be monolingual or bilingual or trilingual or polyglot. It doesn't matter. But many are monolingual, I believe. It's not a case of, oh, linguists, you speak lots of languages, which I think is a question that linguists get a lot. Yeah, how many languages do you speak? I think. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and the truth of the matter is most linguists that I know of and most linguists that I know sort of on Twitter, etc., don't speak other languages. They, 
it's just not what it's about. Mm. I did some linguistic academic study when I did my master's degree. My master's degree was translation studies. And when I tell people about it, I get exactly that. I get a lot of like, oh, which languages did you work with when in your translation studies degree? And the reality is that for about two thirds of the degree, I I was not translating, but I was learning about the differences that translation can make, the kind of ethical dilemmas that can occur in translation situations, just all this stuff that you don't think about. And to me, that is what linguistics does. It kind of lifts the veil and it gets you thinking one layer deeper and really questioning why do we do things the way that we do. And I think that's why I like to read books about language and books about linguistics, because it helps me as a language learner and from a language teaching perspective as well, in terms of understanding this whole thing more and then being able to put that stuff into a practical sense. That's applied linguistics, isn't it? When you apply linguistic knowledge to language learning and teaching, right? Yes. And to research as well. So when, for example, the there's a research or like a linguistic model, let's say, which can be about the language itself. So you can think around things like um, the idea of universal grammar, you know, and you can look into that and kind of apply it to the language, or you could do uh, phonetical research into pronunciation or in how particular sounds are formed and whether they are more common common in this language or the other. And then you can come up with theories and test the theories of why that might be. Whereas for applied linguistics, as, as far as I'm aware, um, you can also look into the usage of language and you can bring in like I think linguistics is such a they say cross um how do you say <laughs> kind of like a broad cross subject umbrella term. <laughs> right there's right. a good word for that and that the academics like to use that I've forgotten <laughs> but it's such a good yeah broad spectrum it pulls from psychology it pulls from neuroscience it pulls from sociology because you get other things then don't you like forensic linguistics which is is quite cool and interesting. So there's lots of lots of uh, directions. That's it. You could take this in. Well, listeners, you're hearing us live, the coming, realizing that we have to have to absolutely do a introduction to linguistics episode in the near future. <laughs> <laughs> but today is not the day. Today is not the day. Today is the day for books and the list of books that we have. We, they're not too academics. We've got a few sort of academic works here. But I would say I've divided our book list into three categories. And the biggest one is popular science, really. And popular science, I often think it's a term that doesn't sound like it doesn't sound serious in the way that pop music doesn't sound serious. But these are books written by people who really, really know what they're talking about and pull from research, but also look at society and put things into words that make sense to everybody and make things relevant to everybody. And not lastly, that they're not quite as boring. So we've got the popular science books, and I've got two more research-based academic ones that I wanted to mention because I love them. And we'll end with sort of language learning guides. We'll come out of the linguistics and talk more about language learning and books that I I would put into the entertainment category. Yeah. But sort of um, books that kind of say, hey, look at how how wonderful languages are. So that's kind of what I've got. And Lindsay, I reckon we'd start with the popular science area. And maybe you can give us an introduction to the one name that you could never, ever, ever get around in books about linguistics. Okay. So probably a very good starting point. And when I mentioned in the intro just then about the idea of the, me having this one book that really got me like, oh, interesting. Um that was a book by this author, and that author would be David Crystal. So David Crystal is a linguist who I believe lives and works at, well, not not lives and works at the University of Bangor, but lives in, in North Wales and works at the University of Bangor. Um, and the book that really got me into wanting to, wanting to learn more about this sort of thing was the Encyclopedia of Language that he's written. And I think there's many different editions. It's one of those books that is continually sort of updated and uh, and, and and is very, very just, again, gives a, a huge range of 
of topics. And what I loved about this when I first got it, I picked it up for about four pounds in a charity shop years and years and years ago. And uh, and I just thought, oh, I like language. Yeah, I'll give that a go. And I kind of just read through the whole thing, like just page for page. And it's not necessarily that kind of book because you can dip in and out. And I know that in the past, I've also used it on that basis of just dipping in and out. And then I've always found this new page where I'm like, wait a minute, I thought I read this thing from cover to cover. Why is there a, <laughs> how is there a new page here? But I love that it just covers everything. And it really opened my eyes to exactly what language as a term can encompass. Oh, interesting. And I've never read this. Okay. I've never read the Encyclopedia of Language. I have read other David Crystals. Is it, do I imagine it's like an actual encyclopedia? Is it like A for adjective? So it's not in that order. It's ordered, oh, off the top of my head, I can't remember the specifics, but it's ordered into logical sort of categories, you know, in, in each chapter. Um, and then there's, there's like little things within that. So there's like a main sort of theme for a chapter. Then there's like sub chapters and then there's like little boxes with side information and examples. And so it is structured, not like I say, not like a normal cover to cover book, but like a kind of um, reference book, which is exactly what it is. Um, so yeah, it's in that sense, a bit like an encyclopedia, but it's not in alphabetical order, or at least the edition I have isn't. Not in academic, in academical, academical order, <laughs> alphabetical order. No. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. And it kind of takes you through, takes you through this. Does it start? How is it? Okay. I'm, I think I'm going to have to read it. it how is it structured? <laughs> um, do you want me to go and get it and then pause and come back? Uh, if you want to. Okay. Would yeah. that be helpful? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll be back. Okay, I'm back. Okay. So, I now have the book in my hands. Let me see if I go to the uh, introduction. Right, contents. So, chapter one, popular ideas about language. And then there's like smaller chapters than that. Language and identity. Oh, wow. The structure of language. Um, the mediums of language speaking and listening. The medium of language writing and reading. The medium of language signing and seeing. Child language acquisition. Language, brain, and handicap, the languages of the world, language in the world, language and communication. Okay, I get it now. I get it get now. It? So it's like a, it is a logical order, but it's not literally like, <laughs> okay, day zero, there was a man living in a cave <laughs> <laughs> and he made a grunt noise. You know, it's not in that kind of, but it is in a logical order. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And yeah. I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of into the logical order and kind of looking at it from here's how you might think about language like here's like ways that make that that kind of fit together in terms of senses of meaning rather than sort of some kind of very dry classification i think when i read encyclopedia i'm like i'm thinking i don't really want to i really don't want to read about like and here are the 12000 adjectives of yeah. of of i don't know polynesia no. Yeah, you can totally like flick through and just like I'm I've just flicked to a page now in the chapter the languages of the world and it's like talking about language families there's a little map but then it also says the problem of classification mm -hmm. so then it's got a little text um just sort of explaining actually this isn't as clean cut as we like to make it as we like to make it out to be mm -hmm. Indo-European languages of China um I've skipped back a few bits. Oh, there's a page about word order. And there's a little box there with Yoda. Oh. Talking about. <laughs> it sounds like <laughs> you love Yoda. I like baby Yoda. <laughs> it sounds like the the kind of thing that you read, you know, the kind of thing that you read as a kid, but suitable for adults. Yes. You know, when you're a it's kid and you've got those books where you just kind of could go to any page and you find something really interesting. It would be a really good like coffee table book. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a bit more kind of, it, it says a lot about you if you have this on your coffee table. People come around, they're like, oh. Yeah, like, be like you're my type of person. You're clever. You're cultured. <laughs> you like David Crystal. <laughs> have you read any other David Crystal? 
yes, I've read You Say Potato, I Say Potato, mm -hmm. which I think I lent to you. And it's, well, um, it might be, I might have given it to somebody else who's a language lover. Oh, so it's perfect. no longer lent, sorry. Perfect. No, that's, that's like what I want to happen when I lend someone a book. Not lend, give someone a book, you know. Um, and then um, I've read How Language Works. Mm -hmm. And I have a couple more on my shelf I've not quite finished. A Little Book of Language is another one I've got there. I think I've read the stories of English back when I was doing my English module for my degree as well. How about you? I have read uh, Spell It Out, but I, okay. I abandoned Spell It Out. It's it's good, but it's about spelling of the English language. And right. I just couldn't quite bring up the enthusiasm. But if you are the person who has that enthusiasm, this is the book to read about spelling. If you're interested in why why English is spelled the way it's spelled and how all those different spellings came about, I thought it was really good. I I very much enjoyed You Say Potato. It's written mm. as a kind of almost like a, is it, what is it called? An ep epistolic narrative? Ooh, know. You know, when they write letters to each other. Okay, right. Yes. Yeah. So that was me being clever. So it's written, it's written between David Crystal and his son, Ben Crystal, who is a Shakespearean actor and known for performing in the Shakespearean, in what the assumption is, uh, the closest way of speaking that Shakespeare would have originally used and a very charming, handsome man who is uh, makes a good ghoul. Uh, if you want to kind of look at ginger men speaking Shakespearean, which is my, it's my jam. So you, <laughs> you get in this book, this kind of dialogue and dual angle and the informality of a father and son kind of talking to each other. And I very, very much enjoyed that. You Say Potato is also about accents and accents again are, are my, my jam. I just wished they'd gone deeper and deeper and deeper, but it was, it was a really good read. Cool. Yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm going to put my book on the floor now so I can move close to the microphone. Brill. Boom. Did you hear that? Yeah, sounds good. I slapped it especially loud so you would hear. <laughs> for the sonic effect of a podcast. So on the on the whole, I think we can safely say to anybody who is interested in linguistics and wants an approachable, relatively easy read that is still extremely informative and clever, David Crystal is a very safe bet. Yeah. And I love that word approachable. I think that so often a topic like linguistics or the science of anything feels very much unapproachable. Mm -hmm. And I love it when authors and, and creators, I suppose, you know, video makers, whatever people are making, are able to break things down to a, you know, and not in a patronizing way, but be able to just make things accessible to a wider audience. I think that's a real skill. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that makes me move on to the next two books, which are more language acquisition or language learning focused. There is a difference, by the way, between language acquisition and language learning. Um, but yeah, we're mostly talking about language learning usually here on the Fluent Show. So language learning focus, and that is my it's my favorite, all-time fave, I think, about learning languages, which is becoming fluent. And that's by Roger Kreutz and Richard Roberts. And listeners, you might already, if you're a long-term listener, you know that I have been really lucky to interview Roger Kreutz here on the show. So that is a big, big recommend. Yeah, Becoming Fluent, it's it's one of my favorites and it comes from the point of view of cognitive science. So bringing in all these different perspectives and Roger Kreutz is a psychologist. So what this book does that I think is very rare is number one, it talks to adults uh, about language learning and it explains, it busts the myths, etc., in a very eloquent way. Mm. And number two is that it explains the different aspects of learning languages and the different things you need. Uh, getting through is kind of a continuation from that, which is about intercultural communication. So is that the same author? Or author? It's the same author duo. And right. they actually have a new one out this year, I believe, which is about languages and aging. I haven't gotten oh. my hands on it yet, but I will. Interesting. Yeah. I've, I've heard Becoming Fluent. I know that you've done an episode with um, one of the authors on that on the show but I've, I've not read either of those mm. becoming fluent it's to me it's it's the most out of the books about learning languages it is 
it's the best in terms of, for me, it's the best because it gives, it talks about language learning in the way that I like to do, which is to give maybe best practice and give reasons mm. for why something might work, but without being very prescriptive. Mm -hmm. And I like that kind of thing. So that's my my thing. And this is, these two do it extremely well and it brings in the science. So it's also very interesting and very much rooted in what is actually proven and true. Cool. Yeah. So that's uh, Roger Kreutz and Richard Roberts. And uh, yeah, becoming fluent, I would say, start there. I've even written, I've fangirled about that one for years. I've written a blog article about it. <laughs> and you can download my book notes. If you don't want to read the whole book and just want to read like a summary that is three pages long, I'm going to put the link to the blog article in the show notes. And then you can download, you can download the show, the book notes for free in there. So lots and lots of notes, but I hope that made sense to you. And we're moving on to somebody who is, that's kind of your book bay. And I haven't read any of his books. So tell me about... <laughs> Tell me about Gaston Bay. Uh, so Gaston Doran mm -hmm. um, wrote the book Lingo first. Of all. I think there's a couple of other books in Dutch, um, but Lingo I think is the first English book that he's written. And then more recently, oh, I always pronounce this wrong. Babel. Am I saying that right? Babel. Babel. It's not Babel. It's Babel is two Bs, right? Babel. Babel, Babel. sounds about right. I always get that wrong. So. Lingo, I read, and interesting, I got it twice in the same Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so it's obviously, it obviously has the, the appeal um, that it must look like, oh yeah, I know someone else has la likes languages. I'll get this book. Um, so it, it must be doing well on that front. And it's about, um, I don't know how many, a lot Languages of Europe, not every language, but languages of Europe, and not necessarily the most obvious ones too. So, of course, there's chapters in there about French and Spanish and whatnot, but there's also chapters about languages like, um, and I'm going to say this wrong as well, I apologize, Karait, Kar um, which is a, a small language community um, on the island of Trakai, very near to Vilnius in Lithuania. Um, And languages that I'd never heard of and before, you know, and never really knew much about. And he does what I love to do myself with languages, that he goes and kind of just learns about it and kind of gets a feel for what this language is all about. And so Lingo is is that in Europe. And then the second book, Babel, is a look at the 20 most commonly spoken languages across the world starting at number 20, working down to number one. So you can probably guess what the last few chapters are about. Mm -hmm. um, but even so, like all of all of the chapters, I, I learned so much from that book. I read that last summer, summer of um, 2019 when I was on holiday. And so, yeah, I found that really, really a good, a good summer read because the chapters are a nice length. You know that there's 20 chapters, so you know there's a, a good number. You're not going to get like bogged down. Really, really good books, both of them. Highly recommended. They sound a bit like your language stories podcast, but in book form. I suppose, yeah, similar. Yeah, yeah. It's that same idea of like, if you just have a pure curiosity to learn more about languages that some of which maybe you've never heard of or some that you've heard of, but actually don't know that much about, this does give you a really interesting overview of, of how they work. And sometimes, you know, like in Babel, some of the chapters are very kind of language based like i think off the top of my head the korean chapter is about um something to do with the with the language possibly honorifics um and then there's others where it's about the situation of that language so like i oh, i think the tamil chapter comes to mind um where he looks into the the where it's spoken and how it's um seen there so both in sri lanka and in tamil nadu the state in india um so yeah I, I liked both of those a lot. They're books that I could happily go back to anytime and just reread. Interesting. I will have, have to you read have you read either of them? I have not read any Gaston Doren. Mm. But you're selling me on it, absolutely. It's nice to it especially lingo, because I I love the European languages and sort of what's hidden there. There is there is just so much more under the surface. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we're, we're both going to come out of this with big reading lists, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> and listeners, you, you, you too, I'm sure. 
And Lindsay, maybe I can interest you in the next book, if you haven't read it already, which I'm currently reading and is a really, really enjoyable read by the only, by the way, the only female author, pretty much the only female author in our whole list. So listeners, I just want to ask you if you know of any more female language writers that have, we have criminally omitted and obviously, of course, authors of color, etc. I actually want to know more about them and I want to know more and I apologize for the relative skewed, relatively skewed representation in this episode. I do want to know more genuinely. So let's move on to the the woman herself, Gretchen McCulloch. And this book has been uh, a hit. And I think it went into the New York Times bestsellers list and stuff. So she's done really, really well with this book. It's called Because Internet. Lindsay, have you read it? I haven't, but I have seen it everywhere and I want to read it. It's I love the title and I love the cover. <laughs> Which is always a good start. It's great design. It's a great name. And it's actually, a, it's, it's a great read. It's very enjoyable. So because internet is not really about other languages, but Gretchen McCulloch herself is a linguist and she has looked into internet language and the use of language online and what online, whether the English language is decaying because it's being used on the internet and people aren't typing and kids these days don't type right anymore or whether all of that isn't quite true and we are actually communicating in whole new ways. So if your examples, listeners, if you enjoyed last year's episode with Monica Riordan, who is the emoji researcher, and you're interested in how we what we type expresses our emotions and expresses just so much more than the words that we just type, this is the book for you. Also, if you've ever been on the internet, it is the book for you. It is so much fun to read because internet. And it, there's something I've noticed about it. It's, it makes you nostalgic. Like, I don't think I'm that, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not like 70 where you think it would be legit to be nostalgic, but it's made me as a sort of woman in her mid thirties, very nostalgic about, oh, MySpace. <laughs> oh there used to be this bookmarking service called delicious and oh yes i used to type like this and all these different things and you know everybody's got their own life story that includes the internet and we all came to the internet at different times in our life uh, i mean if you're very young you just grew up with it can't even I, I can't imagine that and it must be so difficult to imagine life without it it's it's a real it, it just makes you think about society as a whole as well so, first of all, you don't have to be of a certain age <laughs> to be nostalgic. Mm -hmm. Because internet, right, the world is moving so fast. So, nostalgia, like you say, like nostalgia for MySpace, I think is a genuine thing because it's like, you know, less than 10 years ago. I think it still exists, but in a very different form. Oh, yeah. And so, you know what I mean? Like MSN Messenger and all of those things that were very much part of people's lives for a good number of years, but still relatively recently. So I think it's totally, you can feel legitimate nostalgia for all of this stuff, even for like, you know, 20, 2012, 2012 Olympics, 2016, 20, I don't know, 20, whatever, like, <laughs> do you know what I'm trying to say? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so that was the first thing. Um, secondly, yes, I want to read this. This sounds very much my interest wheelhouse yes oh you'll enjoy it and yeah. she does things the way she explains concepts from linguistics so the the politeness concept you always kind of want to give the baseline of that the way she explains them is she is very good in the sense that she's really good at putting it into simple words without putting too without going academic but you can tell like so again she knows accessible stuff. but not patronizing mm. Yeah, I'm yeah. actually a big fan of popular science. I think that is like, if anything, that is what I would want the fluent show to be as well. Mm. Without the academic grounding of actually having a doctorate, but let's not talk about that. <laughs> that's why we bring. That's what we bring experts on for. But I believe that that's that is what science and research is is there for, and that, that there is a big mission in the world for all this important and wonderful and proven knowledge to be communicated in a way that makes it make sense to people and actually makes it relevant and makes you interested in it. I think that's a job to be done. Mm. Shout out at this point as well to the Talk the Talk podcast who do it so, so well. 
all the time. And who are on hiatus. Are they? Yeah, which makes me sad. Oh, that, but they'll be back. That right? would explain why I've finally caught up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's, let's dive ever so slightly more into the, into the world of academic and into research. And I have one book that I, I want to recommend. I read this before I made the Language Habit Toolkit. And it's the only book I think I've ever read about motivation in language learning language acquisition now the reason i was really interested in this and i'm always interested in this is because like Lindsay, like we work with people who come to language learning and say i want to do this and keeping keeping going is a big big challenge when you are learning a language and nobody is forcing you to do it and for many many years i worked as a tutor for german and i would see motivation fading and just so want to understand what can be done. So this is kind of my main, my main mission really that I feel and I work when I do language coaching or when I make things, it's motivation. What is it that keeps us going? And this book by Sultan Dönje and Emma Oshirda. So two British researchers at British universities, but he's from Hungary and she's Japanese, I believe. This book just brings together so much of the research and kind of gives you this introduction into how motivation works, but particularly how it works with languages and the different stages that we go through. And on top of that, it brings in their own research because they are experts in this field. So I can't, I, it's one of my absolute favorites. Cool. And the other one I wanted to mention because you've read this recently and I was like, oh, I've read this too. Yeah, reading. I'm on the last couple of uh, chapters, mm -hmm. but I actually needed to renew it the other day from my library. And uh, when I when I went on the website to renew it, it said for the day before that they had shut because of coronavirus. So I thought, okay, well, I hope they'll be open in three weeks time. I go to renew it for another three weeks and it goes boom. Automatic renewal until July first. Oh so my gosh! Clearly, the clearly the libraries are <laughs> expecting to be shut for a while. So hopefully, yeah, I will finish this very soon, possibly by the time that this episode goes live. But I've really, really enjoyed it because it does have that kind of academic research based approach. But again, it's it's approachable, it's readable, and it's it's a very friendly tone. It it's not um, assuming knowledge, but it's also not um assuming ignorance mm. if that makes sense yeah it totally levels with you yeah yeah and i really like that mm, this is written by keith johnson by the way so i'll put i'll put links to all of these in the show notes but yes it's keith johnson who is an academic and has worked for a long long time so and it's called an introduction to foreign language learning and teaching and it's just this really good summary into all the theories and yes Stephen Krashen gets a mention so if you think we haven't we don't know who Stephen Krashen is let me tell you about the Krashen klaxon <laughs> it's absolutely and yes but it kind of looks at it doesn't just look at one language learning theory it looks at it all in context and that's what I appreciated about it mm. Mm. yeah it wasn't very much it wasn't like this is the way, this theory is the one, the one ring. It was like, okay, mm -hmm. this is what people used to believe. And this is what is more, re something more recent. And actually, is the other one invalid? Not necessarily, you know, so kind of just very grounded, like you say, and just honest, which I, I enjoyed. I'm enjoying because I've almost finished. Absolutely. We live, we live in this world where there's, there's so many, there's, I think there's a lot of people touting one method and kind of saying this is the better way to do it. Mm. So it's very helpful to have something that is grounded in research and something that looks at it all from one step removed and says, okay, yeah, that works. That works too. That works too. Yeah. And these are the reasons why we think they work. Yeah. I mean, this is one thing we try and do as well, like with Teach Languages Online, with the Teach Languages Online mm -hmm. podcast, is we... The episodes I do with Ash, we try and look at different sort of theories and sort of pedagogical methods and all of that stuff. Um, not necessarily saying this is it, this is the best theory. Oh, wait, no, we're doing a new episode. We found a better one. But just actually to look at everything across the board and to be, you know, because even if you think something like someone wrote in, I remember and said like, 
when are you going to talk about a good method? Because the last two have kind of sucked. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I think it's good that they have because it's good to get this understanding of like, okay, I don't think that's a great way of learning. But now I know that some people do. So I know that it exists. And now I can look around to find a way that I do think works, mm. you know? So I think it's really good to to have that. And this book is exactly that. Yes, absolutely. This reminds me as well of um, something I saw from a teacher, um, sort of my message to parents in, in coronavirus times and something that I believe about teaching, or I've, but I've had to learn through teaching that I now believe about school teaching, which is the extent to which school teaching is also crowd management. That, oh, yeah. You know, which that we we automatically assume that those are the best possible teaching methods, but they sometimes they are hindered by the fact that they also must be, by the nature of how schools work, the best we have to keep all these people in a room and keep them awake and mm. stop chaos methods. Mm, mm. So there's like a disciplinary approach that doesn't necessarily, you just don't need it in other environments necessarily. And the message was sort of like, you've got your kids at home. This is now, this is a huge chance if you are interested, like no pressure, but this is this huge chance for kids to just learn in whatever way, you know, in, yeah. in ways that don't yeah. need them to sit still for a specific period of time. Yeah, that's true. I've also seen a lot of tweets saying, I've been homeschooling my kids for six hours all teachers deserve to be paid $1 billion a year of <laughs> <laughs> things along that vein, you know? Yes, absolutely. So I think that that's going to be interesting as uh, time goes on. Oh, we're absolutely in interesting times. If this goes on, I'm going to, I'm going to find a, a homeschooling expert. Oh my God. I'm just bring, mm. bring her onto the show, bring him onto the show and, and find out. Mariana Dubosk. Bring them onto the show. Mariana Dubosk has been on the show. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll put that in the show notes as well, uh, yeah. listeners. But yes, she's been on the show, but not about homeschooling so much more about bilingual education. So that might be an interesting one. Uh -huh. I don't think she does homeschool. Does she not? Oh, I thought she did. No, I think it's a, maybe it's a bi bilingual school. I wouldn't want to. Uh, my bad. Check out the episode, Marianne Dubois. She's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Okay, so we'll get to, we're now getting to the last category of books. And I've kind of lumped two together, which is entertainment and guides. And they're very, very different. Uh, I'll start with entertainment. And we only have one entry in the entertainment section, but there are obviously lots and lots of books. So I've got one about untranslatable words from all these languages. And I'm not really a big fan, but I know you've got, you've got a good one. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of those either. Like, I feel like after a while, it gets a bit same same you know and it exoticizes other languages to an extent yeah, that i really don't like that's true very much an element of like ooh, does not have a word for this but one i do really like and again um that very kind of early on in terms of being like an adult responsible for my own language learning i guess that i came across is the book called tingo um which is organized into sort of loose chapters of like themes of like body parts, animals, colors, stuff, stuff like that. And is a collection of words from around the world, from various languages for curious things that we don't necessarily have words for in English. So for example, the title Tingo is um, a word from an Easter Island language for remove to to borrow things one by one from a neighbor's house with the intent of never returning them <laughs> which is just so specific and i think that you know tells you quite a lot about that place and about that culture and that's what i love about this book in particular is that it is an insight beyond like you say the sort of exoticizing element that can sometimes come across with with books of this vein it actually is a bit more of an insight into the culture of, of that language. And I do love that. I love that language is so, and languages are so unique in that side of things. And it can often be just from learning, you know, the, the practical quote unquote kind of basics. You don't necessarily get to see that side of it. Whereas with something like this, you get this whole cross section from across, across the globe, which I think is really lovely. Mm, mm -hmm. Okay. That makes that makes a lot of sense and it kind of brings in this sort of this sense of marvel, but it doesn't sound like it does this thing where it's like, uh, the Chinese are so wise because No, no, yeah, it's not that. Like, yeah. 
interesting yeah it's not that and there's no there's no like kind of pretty drawings that have been made into like works of art and then with a word you know it's not that it's like a paperback kind of Mm. black ink on white paper style so yeah Mm. tingo if you're sensitive to to that that kind of <laughs> I'll just say that that kind of thing because there is sometimes the sentiments, but I get this a lot because I'm German and all the English people know know the German word Schadenfreude, and and yeah, and oh. also you have in German the whole like butterfly, mariposa, oh yes, <laughs> farfalla, der Schmetterling. All of those. They seem to have died out in recent years. Thank God, yeah. Those memes. I hate those memes. Mm. But yeah, the the um, problem with the Schadenfreude thing is that somehow people seem to make it about the German character. And this is very, very common. I think that you you right. find an untranslatable and then you just, you just go, ah, look at them. They are like this because they've got a word for this. Right, right. And yeah, no, not, not a fan. Not a fan. Well, I don't know. I mean... Like like you said, we were talking yesterday about so, solidar solidarisch, right? Soli- yeah, solidarisch. That's that's solidarisch. an odd one. See, and then you said, but there's no word in English, and I was like, I don't think so. So, but it maybe... said uh, it said archaic. It said solidary. Ah ah ah. ah. And so it, you found one. Oh yeah yeah you know I found yeah. absolutely found one. Um, yeah. <laughs> Might have to cut this out. Doesn't make any sense to anybody else. Um, <sighs> no, it's just and and also the way it's it's not used. But it's interesting because I talk, said to Christian like everybody in Germany keeps saying about the Corona crisis, like keeps saying the word solidarisch and and show solidarity. England English has the word solidarity, but like mm. straight up, like the Chancellor comes out and says like if you panic buy, that is unsolidary. Like that's yeah. you don't show solidarity and the sense of solidarity. Um, and I said to Christian, like, I haven't heard Boris Johnson say that particular word, like express sentiment. Absolutely. I don't think the sentiment is unique. This is why you have to be so careful with that, I believe. Um, and yeah. he said, yeah, that would be too partisan here. Whereas in Germany, mm. it somehow has, it's not, it's about what, what would you want society to be rather than what do we want a side of the political debate to be? Yeah. But I think solidarity can to a lot of people sound like too communist. Right. Interesting. So again, the fact that there isn't a word for that in English still telling you something about the culture potentially. 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 Mm. Though you have the word solidarity. It was just the mm. solidar like the adjective of like a person who shows solidarity in German is like that's solidarisch. Right, right. Or like if an action can be solidarisch and in, in the in English or at least in British English, in my context, I was trying to think, like, how would I say uh, helping your neighbours at this time is it shows solidarity? So you have to say it shows solidarity. I don't think that necessarily mm. says anything about the mindset, but perhaps about the way the number of times a word is used. Yeah. Yeah, we've gone down a rabbit hole, listeners. We I have. hope you've enjoyed that one. <laughs> so Tingo, that was the first one. And then there's a few books that I wanted to mention that I think are good language learning guides um, in the sense of books that are helpful for you if you want to learn a language. And I'm just going to strut come out and say, I've written some. They are relatively small, but they are guides to help you learn a language. And I think they're good. So I'm just going to leave that there and put it in the show notes. They're called The Vocab Cookbook and Fluency Made Achievable. The other two, I would say they're the two big guns in this area. Would you agree? Have I forgotten one? Um, Yeah, I quite like Alex Rawlings' book. (gasps) Oh, I have not read that. Sorry, Alex. I think it's called How to Speak Any Language Fluently, I think is the title. Nice, good title. Sells it. Yeah, yeah. That's quite. That was quite a sort of quick and easy read, which which I enjoyed, and it was nicely organised in the way that my brain would organise that sort of stuff. So yeah, I enjoyed that. How to speak any language fluently by Alex Rawlings. That's in the list then as well. Then the big guide that probably kicked this off a little bit. This kind of us having books that you can go in a bookshop and tell you how to learn a language um, in a way that is really appear speaking to you 
the first one I was aware of was probably the Fluent in Three Months book. So I wanted to mention that. And that's a great, it's great because it gives you, so it's written by Benny Lewis from Fluent in Three Months. And it gives you that kind of real Benny's method, Benny's angle. I think sometimes if it's the first one you read, you might then think that's the only angle. And we've discussed this earlier that it's so important to kind of remember everything kind of works rather than you have to do it this way. But Benny's approach is so far away from what most people would have done in school. And the book just kind of goes, okay, here's how to really just run at it. That for a lot of people that will be extremely liberating. So I'm just really glad it's out there. Mm. Mm. And if you haven't read it yet, it's, you know, listeners, uh, Lindsay, I don't know if you read it. Yes. I think you probably like me, there were, there were period, there were aspects of it that you can kind of skim over because you go, ah, yeah, you know, I know this. Well, yeah, I think with, with all of these books, like, but I, I've been, I enjoy reading them mm-hmm. in full to kind of get the full picture. And like you say, like every book in, in this sort of genre, if you like, is going to have a different take. And I think that's the beauty of having various books out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, absolutely, because when you've got the fluent in three months, and then the other or third uh, big gun in terms of guide is uh, fluent forever, and fluent forever also has a fairly specific and firm point of view. Mm. And that is written by Gabriel Weiner, who now has a whole company called Fluent Forever, and you can download an app called Fluent Forever, <laughs> which is is really, really, really good news. Uh, he's been on the podcast as well a few times and Benny has as well but not really talking about his book um and with Gabe I spoke to him about what happened after he wrote his book so I'm going to put that in the show notes as well and I would say I enjoyed Fluent Forever and I have not applied most of the tips in the ways that he makes them because a lot of it is about making flashcards but if you're a person who likes flashcards and you want like to really detail make flashcards and really invest then this is uh you're going to enjoy this. Mm. You had a have you had a read fit? I have, yeah. Ah, nice. Yeah. I've got a signed copy somewhere, actually. Ah, cool. Yeah, yeah, from Gabe, bless him. So those are kind of the the guides at the moment. How to speak any language fluently, fluent in three months, and fluent forever. Now there are a few others that I thought of while while we were talking. Um the first one is How I Learn Languages by Kato Lom. I've not read that. Have you? No, I haven't. Okay, so listener, if you, listener or listeners, if you have read the book, please get in touch and let us know what it's like. Katalom, a Hungarian linguist and polyglot, I believe, who is from the earlier part of the 20th century. Mm. The second one is this book called Babel No More. Some Babel No More, Babel No More. Don't know. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> that you hear about sometimes i have again not really one i'm aware of is that the one where all these theories come from about polyglots that they're all autistic left-handed males or something oh i don't know maybe that's the sort of theory that keeps making around yeah so babel no more you don't know either no i've never read that one okay so listeners we're aware of it but we don't know anything so let us know what you think about it and then finally there's one called introduction to linguistics and it doesn't really have a specific author but it's from this introduction series that you can kind of get in academic bookshops you know in blackwells and stuff okay yes and the introduction to linguistics is one that i thought of and i wanted to mention it because it's like the introduction to foreign language learning and teaching the introduction to linguistics is a great starting point that in very simple language and with really nice illustrations guides you through really the cornerstones so if you're curious about linguistics but you really don't want to go too deep the introduction to linguistics book is excellent so i'm going to link that as well in the show notes awesome and that is pretty much our list so what what are you reading at the moment what's on your list for what's on your stack for isolation purposes (laughs) (laughs) At the moment, I've got the last couple of chapters of An Introduction to Foreign Language Learning and Teaching. Then I have another book that I got out of the library at the same time that I didn't think I was going to get to uh, to read because it was taking me so long to read this one. But now that they're renewed until July, 
um, I'm sure I have time, which is, I think it's called A Course in Language Teaching by Penny Ur. I think that's the name of the book. Um, so yeah, I'm going to probably read that soon. And then I'm, at, I'm reading a book at the minute called um, Man Belong, Mrs. Queen. Oh. Which is about an anthropologist um, in Vanuatu. And there's a, a group of people there who who believe, who basically like, pray to prince philip so he's trying to find these people and find why and how this started and mm-hmm. all of that so that's kind of interesting <laughs> it's interesting because they he, he sometimes like kind of re- re- reports the speech that people have said you know in bislama or bish bishlama i should say it correctly um which is like a creole language and so it's like one of those languages where you can look at and go, okay, I think I get the meaning of this sentence, mm-hmm. you know? So that's quite interesting. I'm enjoying that. What about you? Oh, you're a bit of an anthropologist, aren't you? Yeah, I love those museums. Like they're, they're kind of, they can't really, they're a bit terrible, aren't they? But the ones <laughs> full of, do you know what I mean? They're a bit colonial, but the ones full of like, you know, things from all around the world. There's a really good one in Oxford I've forgotten the name of. Um, yeah, I can't remember, but yeah, I, I do. I do uh, like that sort of stuff. If you type anthropolo- anthropology museum in Oxford into a search engine, that's probably going to... Yeah, it will hit. come up. Yes, definitely. It's a guy's name. It's a guy's <laughs> name, Sir something something. What about you? What are you reading? Oh, um, I'm, I'm reading Because Internet right now. Uh-huh. And interesting what you're telling me about the library. I was taking active, active note of that because mine's from the library and last time I had it, I've had it before, before Christmas, and I had to return it because it it had like four reservations on it. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So then I had to wait for ages until I could get hold of it again. And now I have it and I've renewed it already once. And I don't know whether the library is open or closed at the moment. And I don't know whether I'll be able to to keep it or not keep it, etc. I have actually mm. been thinking, oh my gosh, if if we're going into a closer drive down of public life here in the uk then i should probably just do a massive library run get loads of books but yeah i'm about to move house yeah that's true <laughs> so it's not it's not happening but it's okay because libby app be li- because libby app is available so i can borrow books from the library through my ipad it'll all, it'll all work out mm. Mm. so i've got that and i'm gonna i'm gonna finish because internet and what else is linguistically on my list? I've got this book that I've got, I think, in a charity shop. It's called Success with Languages. Mm-hmm. It's from Open. It's from the Open University. Oh, I know the book you mean. I've never read it, but I know exactly the book you mean. It looks really good. Yeah. So I'm yeah. excited to read that. Cool. Success with Languages. That's kind of my next language book. And then I'm still working my way through the Teach Yourself Chinese book. Fun. Yes, that's that. And <laughs> listeners, I hope you enjoyed this. This is sort of your, if you're in isolation at the moment, or if you can't go out as much as you could, because the world is obviously kind of in a weird position right now. Uh, that's just putting it mildly. <laughs> so then maybe these books will keep you company. Maybe you can get hold of one, or maybe you've got one that's been sitting on your bookshelf and you've just been sitting there for years and years and years and years. And now would be the time to dig it up. And if it's about languages, we'd love to know about it. As always, you can get in touch with us on Twitter at The Fluent Show is the account, or you can find us on Instagram. Lindsay is Lindsay Does Languages, and I am Kirsten, K E R S T I N underscore fluent. And you can just find us with the hashtag uh, at, no, hashtag hash The Fluent Show. <laughs> what did I just do there? <laughs> the hashtag The Fluent Show. <laughs> And on Facebook, I run a group called Fluent Language Learners, where all discussion of the Fluent Show is always ongoing and welcome. And you can email the show, hello at fluentlanguage.co.uk. That's that. Lindsay, is there anything else that you want to share with people at this point? Um, I don't think so. I think that's that's pretty good. Excellent. Um, there's a few links that I'll share with you. We can put in the show notes. Um for things that I've got to share with you in terms of, like you said, if you're stuck at home right now and you're just like twiddling your thumbs <laughs> thinking, what do I do? So um, I'll share those links. They'll be in the show notes as well. Perfect. Perfect. 
Listeners, it's such a pleasure to have you listen to us and we wish you all the best and the new greeting, really the new way of saying goodbye in this world is stay safe. So do stay safe. Do <laughs> the, new, the new goodbye greeting in this world really is stay safe. So that's what I wish for you. Stay safe. And as always, we're going to sign off by saying goodbye in English and in any language that Lindsay would like. So it's goodbye from me, goodbye, and goodbye from Lindsay Williams. Quédate en casa. Thank you for listening to The Fluent Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting the show by leaving a review in your podcast app or even becoming a member of our Patreon community where our supporter perks include a secret feed full of added show notes and a VIP option where you can get priority answers to your listener questions on the podcast. Don't forget that you can send us your language questions and feedback to hello at fluentlanguage.co.uk or find us on Twitter at The Fluent Show or Instagram hashtag The Fluent Show. We're always so excited to hear from you and read every message and review. See you next week.